our, our scripture today comes from Ephesians 4, 7 through 12. So if you have your scripture um, journal Bible thing, or if you have an actual Bible, or if you have an app you'd like to open, Ephesians 4, 7 through 12. Actually, it's 7 through 11. I realized we're, he's going to do 12 next week, and I, 11 was enough. So uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to do Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 7 through 11. And after I'm done reading, I'll say this is the word of the Lord. And then you'll respond by saying thanks be to God. Hear the word of the Lord. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended. What does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we pray for you to simply come and speak to us through your word. It is a waste of time otherwise than to hear from you. We're gathered as your people, called together as your church. A local body of people who declare Christ is the Lord. Who have come together to anticipate your return. Alongside all of the saints who have waited on both sides of the resurrection for your coming. We're here together for that. Speak to us now. Pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. How many of you have ever been to any kind of orientation? Just raise your hand. Most of you. Okay, great. Um, what is an orientation? An orientation, when you, when you examine the nuts and bolts, is, is a moment in which someone sits you down or pulls a group of you aside and they, they tell you about your surroundings in a new environment. That's generally what an orientation is. So they, they're telling you, what do these visual signals mean if I go and I see this happening over here? What is actually happening there? They help you translate that moment. How do you interpret people's activities and speech? If you hear this term used, if you hear someone say that, you see people over here doing this activity, how do I interpret that? And it's kind of a lay of the land of, of what is happening in this place and, and what's the real story? Because you might otherwise interpret your surroundings wrongly in this new location, right? And you might, you might totally get things wrong. I think of if you go to a trampoline park and there are certain sounds that indicate certain things. Or I was thinking at a gym I used to be at, a, at the swimming pool, they would have this sound and they'd say, I think they would say safety break. And if you don't know what that means, it means that if you have little kids, they have to get out of the pool and take some time out. So those kinds of things are explained to you. And so Paul is, what is he doing in Ephesians for the last three or four chapters now? And we're in the fourth chapter is he's giving the Ephesians a reorientation. He's reminding them of why they exist together as a church, right? He's reminding them, why, why are you even sitting here? I mean, you may have gotten out of bed and come here, uh, but maybe you didn't think that through or you've forgotten. Um, he seems to be reminding them of who they are, where they came from, who loves them, and what they're supposed to be about. And why would, it's really, really important. Whenever we look at scripture, you want to think about why is this Letter. It's a letter to a church. So under what kinds of circumstances would Paul be writing about those things? It would have to be because 
it would seem that they've sort of forgotten about those things. And so he needs to reorient them because they've forgotten. And so Paul reminds them in chapter one, kind of who they are. They're blessed in Jesus. They're people that are blessed in Jesus. And he's just praying that they would see that. He's praying that they would remember that, right? In chapter two, he's saying where they came from. He was reminding them and he's saying, uh, you were under the curse and then you received this blessing in Jesus, his forgiveness, his grace, his death on the cross, making the way for you. And so it made family where there was no family, both Jew and non-Jew, now part of a new thing, a new family. It's neither Jewish nor Gentile, but God's family. The church is a group of people that are family where there previously was none. Chapter three, so who they are, where they came from, who loves them. And so Paul then in chapter three, he's reminding them of God's incredible love for them. And he's also reminding them of his love for them. He's basically on his face begging God, I am praying that you would know. I'm praying before God that you would know God's incredible love for you. Who they are, where they came from, who loves them. In chapter four, now he's starting to remind them what they're supposed to be about given those things. And so he starts chapter four, even from prison, uh, he's writing this, but then he says, I'm not a, I'm, I'm, I'm a prisoner of the Lord. And then he says, maintain your unity. That's what we've been talking about, right? Maintain the unity that God has brought you into. Maintain it, right? And so he says, there's, uh, if, if you remember uh, in verse four of chapter four, there's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And so we come now, you know, he said the one, 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 one. Again, why would he be writing a group of people saying one so many times? It's because they've forgotten that they're one. And so he's made all this emphasis. And now that brings us to today's passage. And so we come now to this the next part of the orientation, right? Uh, it's just, he's just explaining the terms of what's going on around him, of who they're with and why. So what's he going to remind them of? Verse seven, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And therefore it says, and then he starts to quote. So, so he goes from talking about unity and how they're one into talking about diversity. So in the context of the unity, Paul's telling the Ephesian Christians, now let's remember, finally, when I have reminded you of how all of you are brought into this house, into this place, as one, now let's remember we're different, but that we're different because of Christ, that we're different because of the workmanship of Jesus. A lot of times you see a difference between yourself and another person. And you begin to subtly either believe that you're better based on those differences and the other person's worse or the other way around. You may actually believe they are better than you, that you're worse. And yet he's saying here, grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so grace was given to each of us. Verse eight through 10, he then summarizes, essentially does like a, a quick and dirty cliff note summary of Psalm 68. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men with a quick parenthetical explanation. Saying he ascended, what does it mean? That he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended for above all the heavens, far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. So the scripture is showing us here, Jesus, victorious, supreme, reigning above, and he's giving gifts to us. So 
Why is Paul doing this? And that is because, not because it's just he's decided to quote a random psalm, but because the Old Testament were considered prophecies and they were considered revelation from God. And we are not yet at a point where the entire Bible has been compiled, right? So they're often referring back to the authoritative prophecies and psalms of the Old Testament in order to verify that indeed this is true. Jesus himself, if you remember, uh, some of you may remember, after the resurrection is on the road to him. He's, he's resurrected and they don't recognize him, his disciples, and he explains the entire Bible. He explains the entire Old Testament and how all of the Old Testament and the prophets and the Psalms refer to him. And so that's what Paul is doing here. He's doing literally what Jesus taught him to do. And so he's quoting the Psalm and he's saying the scriptures, the Old Testament even shows that Jesus is victorious. He's supreme. He's a king riding in and and he's leading the captives and he's giving gifts to us. Now, a little bit about that term descended, uh, you know, there's plenty of, well, what, is this, what does descended mean and all this kind of stuff. And it is, it is debated, does it mean descended as in he came from heaven and became a man, the incarnation, right? Did he, did he, is that what descended mean? Does it mean, you know, where in the Apostles' Creed we say he descended into hell? Does it mean that? And I'm really here to say that uh, it's not like horribly important right now for, for what we're talking about. Uh, but because the point is he's saying, remember the testimony of scripture. And the glory of the Jesus who came down and did all that he did for us. He gives us gifts. So we're given grace by Christ and he gives us gifts. And now you might think, ah, I know what this is. This is a spiritual gift sermon. Ah, we're going to talk about different kinds of gifts people have. We're going to debate about apostles and prophets and and this kind of thing. And uh, actually, there's a specific bent here in the passage when you look closely. Because what are the gifts that Paul is talking about? So to summarize, 7, verse 7, grace given to each one of us according to Christ's gift. Verse 8, remember the psalm that says God is the giver of the gifts. Verse 9 and 10, remember that our generous God uh, basically shows us in the psalms, right? Uh, uh, or, Or that our generous God is Jesus in the psalms, and he now reigns on high, giving us gifts. Verse 11, and those gifts are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, right? Verse 11. Gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So spiritual giftings are implicit in that, of course. Ways people are gifted to serve. But Paul is saying that these people, these particular types of people gifted to do these things in the church, these people are gifts to you. That's what he's telling the church. He's telling not that these are just gifts that people get, but that the people to whom these kinds of giftings have been given, and this, these, this specific kind of department of the church, these people are gifts to you. So let's go through that a bit. The apostles and prophets. Uh, and we're going to talk about that together for a specific reason. Uh, we'll talk about the gifts, like, briefly. The, the gift of apostleship, so to speak, uh, you could say is the particular ability to speak and act with special authority from God. Uh, the gift of prophecy would be when someone is gifted by God to speak on his behalf. Uh, but in this particular passage, we see Paul's focus again on the people's gifts. So uh, um, the apostles and prophets, he's actually already mentioned. And so you actually know what he means when he says this by looking at chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, which will be on the screen for you. 
So then you are no longer strangers and, uh, strangers and aliens, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. And then in chapter 3, verse 4 through 5, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. So in this passage, essentially, the prophets uh, uh, mean probably both the Old Testament prophets who are witnessing to Christ throughout the Old Testament. And the apostles are the original 12 disciples of Jesus, Paul himself, maybe a few others that were, but this is all part of this foundational group of people who are inaugurating and starting this global movement of the church. This new thing that Jesus has started. Those are the apostles and prophets. And some will ask, is the gift of apostleship still a thing? I've seen so-and-so church and person calls himself an apostle. Is that bad? Should I run away? Um, uh, that's not, again, I'm just going to like throw that over here and say that that's not what this passage is about. Um, though uh, I would say that uh, people with these kinds of giftings, you do see them in the church all the time. And we could debate about whether we should call those people apostles or not. Uh, but that gifting certainly is present. And uh, we, we have seen people uh, to, to, to that, that have that kind of spirit in them that really start new things for God. Uh, we ourselves are a church plant um, in the midst of a lot of church plants that have started. Um, uh, and there are people who hear from God by the power of the spirit and the gift of prophecy. And we have people like that in our congregation. So uh, we're, we're blessed to have that. So, But this passage is not a debate about gifts. It's about certain types of gifted people in the church. So apostles and prophets, evangelists, shepherds, and teachers. So who are evangelists? Those who proclaim the truth of the gospel, who declare the truth of the gospel and call others to live by Jesus' standards, both to believer and to some extent, uh, I, mean, I mean, both to unbeliever and then to some extent to a believer. Uh, though Paul even at one point calls Timothy, who is an elder and a, and a pastor in a local church in, in, in the scriptures, do the work of an evangelist, he said. A shepherd. Uh, this, this passage, this verse is actually where we get the word pastor from. Uh, and so it would be those who care for or protect the church. Or at our church, we would actually, that's the, the, the term pastor, elder, shepherd. These are all kind of used in the same arena, which is why we have elders and we have pastors, but what we really mean is the same thing. Uh, and, and, and the uh, responsibility and authority they wield is, is the same. Uh, teachers, those who faithfully pass on the teachings of Christ and the apostles, especially through explaining uh, or applying scripture. And I think here, uh, he's, he's kind of, um, well, we'll get into that definition. Hold on. So teachers are people who do that. And some people actually take this verse to mean like shepherd dash teachers, like uh, shepherd teachers or pastors that teach, uh, but it, but we're not, it's not, it's not entirely clear. And are people gifted in multiple ways? Could someone be an evangelist and also be a great teacher, etc.? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but Paul's focus here is on the people. You know, if you're in a church and you read a letter and you said, you know, people in this church who know how to teach the Bible, you might have someone in mind. They may be an official leader or not, but you know, there's someone gifted to teach and that's apparent to you. And so think of it as a letter to a church like that. So Paul is referring to people in particular who are trying to hold this, if these, the Ephesian Christians together and in step with God's will. He's talking about this department of people who are specifically trying to do that. 
And the Ephesians would know who these people are. Now, when he names apostles, obviously he considers himself an apostle. So he means himself like, hey, I'm writing this letter to you. Uh, But he means the other leaders of the church. And let me ask you today, who is someone who has done a work like that in my life? Who is someone that has spoke prophetically to me? God has used them to speak into my life on behalf of God. And it's been, it's made a huge difference. Who is someone that has shepherded me in this church? Who is someone that's maybe come alongside and said, hey, do you, do you want to you be a part of this? I think this would be a great thing for you to do. Hey, are you sure you're going the right way? Who's someone who's taught you something about the Lord and about his teachings? Who's corrected you maybe and brought you the right way? Who is someone who has encouraged you uh, uh, to walk with the Lord and not in a different way? Who's someone who you see that's just really good at sharing their faith and declaring that truth to people who don't know the Lord? These are the kinds of people that come to mind. And you see, this letter is written because the Ephesians have, they kind of lost track of who God was. You see that in the first couple chapters. They've also lost track of these people and why they're there. These people that are trying to care and teach and lead them, care for them. And what he's saying is that the Lord himself, the divine giver, he's saying he gave you your leaders as gifts to you. And don't forget that they're gifts to you. Now, this may be uh, slightly uncomfortable for some of you. Um, Maybe you've been under uh, an abusive leader, someone who has not wielded their authority well. Maybe you've been under somebody who's led you poorly. And uh, I can say myself, uh, I've certainly had my failures in the last few years. Certainly had moments that people have been disappointed in something I've said or done. Um, And so are we saying that leaders are perfect or not to be questioned? And we're not saying that. Uh, but what we are saying, not what we're saying, God is saying, is that our dispositional attitude to those who serve as leaders in the church is to see them as people who are God's gift to us. I myself am uh, very guilty of a poor attitude about this in my time. So y'all know me at this church because I started working here. But before this time, I was not a pastor at the prior church I was at. And, uh, you know, I, I certainly had my trouble with seeing my leaders as gifts. And, you know, when things were well, of course, my leaders were awesome. Uh, when things were not well and my leaders disappointed me, God is always at work in people and including leaders. And so I, I harbored bitterness against my leaders. Judgment. I had spite. My disposition towards them changed. I forgot that they were gifts to me and that they were trying to serve me. And, I, and I, struggled, I was struggling in my own sin to understand why God had placed them in my life and how they were to be gifts to me. I, had, I actually didn't know this passage <laughs> said this. I'd read this passage before, but just, you know, uh, gifts. Um, and so instead of having curiosity at the sovereignty of God, I begin to regard the gifts of God as poison. These people as uh, I was poisoned by Satan to view these people as people in my way. I begin to view my leaders as people who didn't know what they were doing. And sometimes maybe they didn't. But they were just people who were making my life miserable. And so a root of bitterness sprung. And for seasons and for moments, I cultivated an attitude and a disposition that goes against what Paul is saying here. And I, and I say that with grief. I say that also knowing, you know, slightly awkward for me as a pastor to talk to you about this. Eh? Yeah. Uh, are you saying you're God's gift to me? No. Paul is... <laughs> Paul is saying that, 
Um, so, you know, it's an awkward thing to talk about. And yet, for me, I didn't know this passage was about that. I went in, you know, preparing this week thinking, ah, you know, it's going you know, to be a good week. Um, and then I felt convicted. This is what is here. God is pointing us to a place where we are to be grateful and regard our leaders as gift to us. You see, uh, it's easy to point at God's handiwork, God's workmanship, as we remember in Ephesians 2, if you remember, we are God's workmanship, so that would include our leaders. It's easy to point at God's workmanship, something that he is working on in his perfect will, and then to regard those people with disdain or suspicion. Because they're still fallen, because they still sin, because there are still ways in which they are learning and growing as disciples of Christ. But what are we doing? We are taking God's gift and saying, I don't think, God, that you've thought through your choices very well. We're taking God's handiwork and workmanship and saying, I don't think, God, you knew what you were doing when you put this person uh, in my life. And yet God in his perfect sovereignty Again, if you remember this passage, he's reigning on high, fully in control, filling all in all. He's given us and has given you and has given me our leaders, our shepherd teachers, our elders, our community group leaders, our community group coaches, others who do the work of the evangelist, who are reaching out to unbelievers in our midst, who are inviting people tirelessly to hear the good news at church. Those who are teaching us among us, to remind us of what God has said. These people are God's gift to us. Now, remember what I said. It's, it's the people who serve in these functions. And, you know, what, what I'm about to do, we're not going to do perfectly. And we haven't recognized as our church in formal ways every person who fills these functions perfectly. Uh, but we've tried to formalize our recognition of it. Um, and so, if you've ever served in one of these roles that I name, uh, I want you to stand up. So if you are currently, or if you have ever served as an elder in our church, I'd like you to stand. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we're doing it. Going to do it. All right. I'm standing as well. Yeah, I know. I'm going to go. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So church, these, these men are here for your good. There are people that have gone through a process and they were asked whether they wanted to be held accountable for what happens in this church in, 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 a, in a way that goes beyond what just any believer is accountable for, for what goes on in their church. And they said yes to that. And so every meeting they're in, every conversation they're a part of, Everywhere they go, they're accountable not before you necessarily. I mean, they are, but they're accountable before God. And they love you. So we want to thank them. And so today or in the future, take some time to thank them. Take, take some time in your prayers to thank God for them. In the season they're in, in the pace they're in, in the ways God is growing each of these people, let your heart be in the posture and disposition that says, I understand that you and the way you've been made and the way that God's growing, you are God's gift to me and God's gift to our church. Thank you. I want to walk with you. I want to know you and be led by you. All right, you guys can sit down. 
Uh, if you are a community group coach or if you're on our church staff, you, you might have to stand up more than once, but that's, that's in, by intention. So I would like for you to stand. Uh, if you're a community group leader as well, would love for you to stand. If you get to stand more than once, it's a great, uh, it's a great honor, right? So, yeah, don't, 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 uh, don't sweat it. But these are leaders called to serve you. They are God's gift to you. When they call you into service, when they call you into doing something, when they ask you, you'd be willing to make a bowl of soup. <laughs> when they call you to go to set up and tear down and ask if you might be able to be there, their nice diplomatic way, when they ask if there's a way if they encourage you to serve in the church in a certain way, or they see a gift in you and they say, hey, would you think about doing this? We think you would be a blessing to others. When they encourage you to walk with God and away from sin, when they herd you and shepherd you in the right way, these folks are God's gift to you. When they come to you, remember that. When they encourage you, remember that. When they fall short, remember that. That this is part of God's plan and they are gifts to you. You guys can sit down. If you've ever served as a deacon in our church, and that's kind of a transitional thing, but if you've ever served as a deacon in our church, if you've ever served as a volunteer or a leader in Alpha or Christianity Explored, if, you're, if you've taught or volunteered at COA Kids or for our youth group, if you've been an active part of our prayer ministry or have been here at the front waiting to pray for people in the last few years when we used to do that, and we will do it again soon, I want you to stand ever done in any of those things. Thank you so much for what you guys are, have done and continue to do. God sees you. We're grateful for you. You are God's gift to us. You guys can sit down. There are definitely people that should have stood that I may not no, or I, I couldn't fit into an exact category. But we're grateful for you. You're God's gift to us. Now, if you stood up, there's another half to that. When you're a gift, what's your purpose and calling? If you're a leader in our church, you're called to be a blessing to others. And I will say, if you're a leader in our church, for some of us, there have been moments there have been times, there are times now that are difficult. It can, being a leader can be a lonely endeavor. It's something I've been thinking a lot about. Stepping into leadership actually does require that you accept a measure of loneliness in order to do that. To lead and to be a gift to others requires a measure of loneliness and sacrifice. But I want to encourage you. To be a gift to others is worthy and an incredible joy. The divine giver... Jesus, who reigns on high in this passage, he's called you in a close fellowship with him to share the burden of leading alongside him so you could share the honor of being a gift like he was a gift for us. We're going to spend the next few weeks walking through Ephesians. There's going to be hard things to talk about. You know, uh, uh, if you remember a few weeks ago, Bland mentioned that there's not a lot of commands in this first half. All the commands are coming next. But he spent a lot of time reorienting, if you remember I started the sermon, reorienting us to remember who these words are coming. He's about to tell them some hard things that are going on in their church and what they need to do about it. So he's, he's kind of saying, 
Remember who your leaders are who are going to shepherd you into these things. Remember who I am, Paul, as I write you this. I'm someone who loves you. And your leaders are people that God has gifted to you to help you through this. But you got to keep that reorientation in mind. You got to keep that disposition. And as a leader, we, as leaders, leaders in the church, if you're a leader, uh, we want to keep that disposition. What an honor and joy and privilege to be considered a gift to others. Now, I remember there's, there's plenty of other ways that God has gifted people to serve in the church. And I want to say, it's not that we're not recognizing that or we don't appreciate that or see that. It's just that for this passage and for this purpose, this is what God wanted us to do and recognize today. So let's keep that reorientation in mind. Let's remember where we came from and who loves us and the unity we're supposed to be about. Let's remember that in our differences, those who are teaching and encouraging and instructing and shepherding among us, let's remember that those people are gifts to us. Let's remember that those who seemingly are so intent on sharing the gospel with others, that those people are gifts to us. So what we're doing today is honoring those people, thanking them and encouraging them. And uh, can't ever do this by himself. So uh, land. <laughs> um, we, we were at the Christmas party. Uh, we, were at, we, we had an elder Christmas party that um, uh, land like slaves over the food all day and, and puts on for the elders, uh, elder families every year. And, um, you know, he, he, you know, and he, he had a moment to just thank everybody for serving, uh, you know, and thank everyone. And um, he reminded me, I, I kind of forgot because it already kind of passed. It was October, but that I'd, I've been here 10 years now and, um, and, and thank me. And Tanya, like last night was like, hey, after he thanked you, you didn't say anything. It was kind of awkward. And I was like, oh, I was just kind of like taking it in. So thank you, Bland, for uh, hiring me. <laughs> And uh, giving me a job so I could eat. And, um, and, but we want to, Blaine, we want to honor you. Uh, and thank you. And, and, and Teresa, you had to be a part of that decision to come up here and move here and, um, and, and, and pack up everything. And your growing kids that were in school. And I think a lot of us who are parents understand that that's like a different thing, pulling your kid out of school. But pulling all of your kids out of school. And moving up here and doing what you did and enduring what you guys went through. Um, we're not here without it. So, guys. That's all I got. Let's remember who we are, where we came from, who loves us, and what we're supposed to be about. And let's do it, giving thanks for the leaders God has put in our midst. Let's pray. God, we are so... I'm always so amazed, God, that your word points us in unexpected directions. And it's because you love us. And it's because you want us to be molded and made into your image. You want us to draw closer to you. And you long for us to take the paths that are difficult and yet full of the most reward. For Jesus, you yourself went to the cross. You even begged your father if there was maybe some other way. And you said, this is the way to go. 
And so you're telling us that this is the way to go, to reorient ourselves to one another, to you, to remember the incredible blessing and future hope we have in you, to remember that you've brought us together in unity and yet that you've gifted each one of us, that you especially wanted to remind the Ephesian Christians that their leaders were gifts to them. So we are reminded today that you've gifted certain people to serve in these capacities in our church, forwarding the new work of God in new places, prophesying, speaking God's truth on his behalf, heralding the good news as the work of an evangelist, teaching and shepherding and caring, pointing people in the right direction, reminding them of what is in your word. God, I pray for our leaders this morning that they would do that work with boldness and confidence knowing that you have provided them to be gifts for this church. I pray for all of us that we would learn and remember as we walk together, not because our leaders are perfect, but because our perfect God has chosen for our leaders and and, and for everyone to be together in this season. We know the call to unity is not uh, uh, in, in, its, in its outworking, glamorous work. It is hard, painstaking work. Yet we see that you endured far more so that we might be able to have the strength to do it. We're grateful for the Spirit's work to enable us, give us what is required to step forward. We thank you in the name of Jesus.